Good morning, everybody at Warehouse Church this morning. Uh, Kim and I, as you can see, are not here today. We are in Colorado with some friends. I'm just enjoying our last part of our vacation together. But I'm looking forward to getting back on Tuesday. We've got a lot going on this week at the church. This Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, right before our work night, we were going to ask our men to come. We want to have a men's ministry meeting to talk about some things we're going to be doing for our fall life groups. And we want you to be there for that. And then at 6.30, we're having a work day in our new building at 600 Data Drive. It's only about two miles from here to prepare for our first Sunday, which is this uh, next, a week from today, next Sunday, August the 26th. It's going to be a great day. We're so excited about it. Uh, we'll be working throughout the week, but for those of you that uh, you know, have jobs and have busyness during the day. We're having a special work night this coming Wednesday night at 6.30 till about 8 or 8.30. We really need some help because we're going to be doing some cleaning, cleaning of the bathrooms, uh, set up and tear down uh, kind of uh, uh, strategy. We have to put some TV stands together, set some stage up, our sound systems. There's really a lot of work. Our kids' areas need to be done our uh, strategy for parking and welcoming and out front and coffee area. There's a lot of stuff to do and we're gonna need your help. So I hope we see you this Wednesday night. Guys, get here at six. We're gonna have some hot dogs and just a little snack for you. Uh, a stand-up meeting, 15, 20 minute meeting about our small group strategy, our men's ministry strategy for the fall. Hope you'll be there for that. Kim and I cannot wait to get back. We, we are just really enjoying our time. We wanna thank you for being so gracious and kind about us taking some time off this summer. It was really refreshing. We're looking forward to uh, just getting back and, and have so many things to do, so many great plans, and such an exciting time for our church this fall. Look forward to seeing you. I'll be here Wednesday night. And for those of you that can't make it Wednesday night, cannot wait to start next Sunday in our new building. I'll be there. I have a great message already planned. And then our baptism service is that night afterwards. Warehouse Church, we love you. And we look forward to seeing you this week. This morning, I'm going to speak on a subject. We talked about individuals we want to talk about. And I want to talk about the stranger. The stranger. What does the Bible say about, if anything, the stranger, the person who is different, the sojourner, the person from another land, literally and sometimes parts in the Bible is translated the alien. The stranger. And I assure you that all the way through the Bible... It is very clear on how to treat the stranger in our land and how to also expect or hope to be treated as a sojourner or a stranger. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. We'll start there. Leviticus 19, because I want to go back to the Old Testament because some people look in the Old Testament as, as a God of wrath who doesn't, is very exclusive and not inclusive. And that is not the truth and has never been the truth. God not only loves the world, he's always loved the world. He's not just the creator of the world. He's always been the creator of all his creation, and he loves it all. Leviticus 19.33 says, And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you, you will be to, will be to you as one born among you. And you will love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Very clear. Now, I do want to put some groundwork with Israel. Every other country in the world is not like Israel. Israel was set up as a country to represent 
God. There's spiritual truths and there are also governmental truths that are involved that may not necessarily be involved with the United States of America, Colombia, Mexico, Venezuela, other places. However, we will learn something that is there are truths about the stranger, the sojourner here from the, the, the people of Israel. There's a word that has come to the forefront during this last few years. The word is xenophobia. Some of you, have you been hearing that a lot on news? Xenophobia, who's xenophobic? This person's xenophobic and it's kind of been used and thrown out at people. The word means fear, hatred of mistrust of that which is foreign, especially strangers or people from different countries or cultures. That is xenophobia. It's amazing to me that any Christian would ever be accused of being xenophobic when the Bible is extremely clear that we should never hate or prejudice against the stranger. In fact, we are to go out of our way to be neighborly to the stranger, to the outsider, to the newcomer, or anyone who is different. That is a Bible axiom from cover to cover. And I'm going to show some of these. A lot of my message will be, I'll be going through quickly, it's a topical message, and I want to hit on some important scripture to lay a foundational base that lets us understand without a shadow of a doubt that God loves all people. And because of it, we should love all people as well. There's a way to treat people. There are numerous examples in the Bible. We look at Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, Paul, and even Jesus himself was a stranger in a land that was not the land of his origin. So all over the Bible, we see people who are strangers or who welcome in, welcome in strangers. Bothers me that today there's a political, there's a, a political environment that seems to try to divide people on these issues. It's pretty bad. It even drives Christians to have feelings and actions that are unbiblical because of our constant pressure of a political environment. We as Christians should never react to what the government or what any group is saying over what the Bible clearly states. And the Bible is very clear on this aspect of who is and how we treat the stranger. See, there's extremes. On one extreme, we have this people who look at a stranger who is different as a statistic that should be dealt with coldly by a human law. On the other extreme, we have people who will look at the difficulties and problems of a stranger, but on that extreme, only to be able to have political gain. You see, and so in this world, there is not any type of political party or government that represents completely the stranger or the person the way that the Bible does. Everybody can say they love people, but the fact is nobody loves greater than God. And nobody has shown us greater than God how we can go about demonstrating not just our love, but God's love to all people. And particularly here, I want to look at this person who is called the stranger, the foreigner. You see, fear and manipulation are tools used only in a climate of lies, poor information, or lack of information. We need to be Christians informed about what God says. I want to assure you that the Bible is not silent on the issue. We can speak up and speak up firmly and clearly and lovingly. The Bible reestablishes the playing field of the discussion of the stranger in a society. The Bible says that the stranger is created by God, loved by God, and is an image bearer of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 assures of that. Christians, this is my, if I was going to put in a thesis statement, some of you guys know I study a lot, but anyway. 
This is it. Christians, we are to know what God says about the stranger and then act according to knowledge and truth. That's it. Christina and I and our daughters were missionaries in Argentina for nine years, but we were in the country seven because you spend some time as independent missionaries raising support. So we were in the country seven years, and so we have some idea about what it's like to be the, the foreigner. Not everybody gets that privilege or gets that point of view, and it's quite a point of view. And so during some of the message, I'm going to put in a few stories of what we experienced. Now, I will tell you this. Our story as a foreigner in another country is completely different than everybody else's story. But everybody has a story at some time of being the new kid, the new person, the stranger, the alien, whatever, right? All of us have been there and felt it. We need to turn around and, and humanize every single buddy, every single person under God and then treat them according to how God says we should treat them. And it really is with love and respect. So the first thing is we treat the stranger, the stranger with respect and justice. I'm going to read some scripture. Leviticus 19.33, and if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you will not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you will be to you as one born among you. You will love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So in the second half also of the great commandment, now we're going to jump to the New Testament. Jesus says in Mark 12, 31, and the second commandment, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we see through the Bible, who is my neighbor? Well, can it be a Samaritan? A person that we would consider kind of a person that is a, a different than us? Well, absolutely, that's what Jesus said. Who was the neighbor? Those who are neighborly. We are to be neighborly to the world. God reminds Israel that we or they were strangers in a land. For us, we were once a people, not of God, but of the world, dead in our sins. In fact, I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. And this is what it says, Paul speaking. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you, you, whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. The biggest point here is that we live between two worlds. There is a world that for at a time we lost the ability to perceive the world. It's a spiritual world. Whenever God said that the day that you sent Adam and Eve, there was a spiritual death that happened and we became spiritual blind. But there is a, a spirituality, a real world, a real God that exists just because we don't have the receptors like eyes and ears to understand and perceive it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. In fact, proof over and over and over and the interaction of God tells us that there is a spiritual world. The God who created life also is the God who gives and offers spiritual life. And so we can make a connection between the life that we see, the things that we see in this world, material, and the spiritual. And many times in Israel, God is speaking to them not just as a physical child of his, but there is a spiritual connection. When Abraham believed God by faith, it was counted to him to righteousness. And just for us, if we accept Christ as Savior to all who receive him, to them gives he the power to become the sons of God. So there is a spiritual connection I want to constantly, constantly think about. And Ephesians said, we also, 
We're all of us strangers in a spiritual desert. And God found us and gave us life. In fact, it says in a couple scriptures that it is a, it is a curse to our own selves and to our church if we mistreat the stranger. Deuteronomy 27, 19 says, Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. So this is part of what God is teaching Israel. By the way, Israel, during times of its history, became very prejudiced, very biased, and in every time they brought a curse upon themselves. As do all children of God who become so exclusive based on any type of nationality, tribe, race, language, that we will then mistreat the stranger. Never to be seen, never should be seen among us. There's many places that God talks about a curse that was brought upon us if we do that. The stranger has, let me make a statement, and I want, to, want you to think about this. And I've heard people say this in a political realm, but I'm going to say it in a spiritual realm. The stranger has just as much right to justice as do the citizens of any land they live in. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that the laws are all the same. There are laws that dictate different things. But there are, and I heard it say one time that somebody said, well, people who are aliens to this country don't, aren't, aren't underneath or don't, don't have any laws that, that, that um, apply to it. That's not true. There are plenty of laws in this country that apply to people of different status. All of them. But one thing's for sure dictated by God is everybody deserves justice. And to be treated with respect. You never can fix a problem. By the way, immigration is not a problem to be fixed. It is a condition of humanity as we move around to be constantly dealt with. In a loving, respectful, and just way. Does that make sense to people? I hope we can buy that and believe that. But the Bible is very clear. There's an axiom. By the way, the Constitution of the United States was built on Bible truths. So we should be lovers and we should be people who understand and live by Bible truths. We understand that laws come along, some better, some worse, some vague, some more specific, but these things don't change. That is that the stranger deserves justice. I do. That's God who says it, not any government. That's an important thing to remember. There's also an issue, and that is sometimes we mess up on this, ish, on this thing of, of treating people well. But the good thing is we can change. I'm thinking about the, uh, the uh, prophet Jeremiah who dealt with the country of Judah of Israel. During a time, there was a lot of perversion and mistreatments of all people. And so Jeremiah, speaking for God, says in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 5, For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, he's giving them a warning, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, these are conditions, the fatherless, the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then, this is the condition, I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. So the good news is that if we have ever come to a place that we were prejudiced, we were biased, we can look at the Bible and we feel the conviction of God about the feelings we had, the actions that we had. The good news is this. God says, I will lift a curse off of you if you will wake up 
if you will look up and you will see and you will feel and you will think about people the way I do, I will lift that curse. Now, what we found out about Israel and about Judah, unfortunately, is they did not listen to, to Jeremiah and Babylon came and took them into captivity for another 70 years. That generation was completely destroyed because they brought a curse upon themselves that they absolutely refused to lift, even though God gave them an opportunity. What a sadness. What a sadness. Zechariah also adds to this. Zechariah 7, 9, and 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice, show mercy and compassion to everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. Wow, just over and over at every stage, generation after generation, millennium after millennium, God does not change in the way he loves people. So first, we treat the stranger with respect and justice. Second of all, we must treat them with hospitality. Jesus mentions hospitality in Matthew 25, 35. For I was hungry and you gave me the food, and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Hospitality. That's a church's marching orders. Hospitality. When Jesus was giving the church their marching orders, he included all of these things. Feeding the poor, visiting the sick, and those in prison. Making strangers feel welcome. Why do we do it? We are ambassadors. We are image carriers. We come in God's name. And saying there is a possibility of being reconciled with God who loves you. A God who can give you life and give you spiritual life. Who can change the direction. Can lift the hopelessness and the depression off of you. That God. And we are image bearers. Yes, that's true. He is an awesome God. We are those that can help with that. It's interesting in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it even says this, and I think this is interesting because it makes a connection between the spiritual and physical. Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to entertain or show hospitality to strangers. For by doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Again, I talk, talked about a, a, a really, we divide lines between physical and spiritual very clearly, but God does not. How many of you, if you knew that you were entertaining or being hospitable to an angel of almighty God, would say, I'm not doing that. No, we would do that. But God says, so what's the difference between showing hospi hospitality to a child of human flesh that I love? What's the difference? He's not trying to trick us into trying to help people just in case they might be an angel. He's just telling us, listen, we are so quick to divide spiritual and physical. There is no division with God. He sees us all the same. He has the senses to be able to look at us all at the same time, spiritual, physical, material. And God says, listen, I want you to treat and be hospitable to the stranger, those who are different, those not like you. I want to tell you that in Argentina, Christine and I lived there, and it wasn't always easy. First of all, we come in, and now we're the ones who have an accent. I have a master's degree, but I can't speak at the language of a five-year-old. So I'm saying, where bathroom? Me hungry. You know, it's just, it sounds like I'm, I'm Tarzan or something, you know. 
And so that's how you feel, and people laugh at kids are laughing at you. And so I think, how are people going to even take me seriously whenever I sound like that? And, and it's really difficult. The nicest people were always the teenagers, because I always thought that was fun, you know, and I love the teenagers for that. They were always a little more generous and patient. And of course, they laughed at us a lot too, but that's okay. But we were foreigners in a different land, and I remember a couple times that we were reminded of that. I could tell you many stories. But I, but I think the thing that hurts us the most is when we see our children suffer for being called the freak or the foreigner. I'm telling you, that's really hurts you. I could deal with it. God called me there. But when my daughters were kind of treated like weirdos because they had an accent or because they were an American and not an Argentine, that hurt me. I remember one time our daughter Mary was... She was getting more comfortable with the language. We put her into public school in Argentina, and she was learning the language, but you still don't know all the cultural cues. So in sixth grade, we were going to put her on, like everybody does, the city bus by herself, and we are going to let her go to the school, which was not too far away. And that was kind of a, cust- a, a constant cu- custom. It wasn't too bad. We were going to take a chance in doing it. And so Mary, our daughter, gets on the bus, and these bus drivers are very pressured because they have to get on the bus, you give them money, they have to make change, and they have to stay on schedule. So there's not a machine you put money into. So our toddler gets on the bus, she doesn't have exact change, so she gives the guy the money. And he takes the money and he goes, and he speaks to her, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I, I don't understand. Blah, blah, blah. And she didn't know what he was, he was talking about. Just because he was speaking too fast, she didn't understand what the change was situation. So he had all the change of my daughter's change, and uh, she was on the bus, and he just took it and he threw it on the ground. And he, and he took off and started driving. And I, at that time, she was, then she started crying. She was right on the bus, and he just took off, and she was standing there, and she started just crying. And when I was hearing the story as a father, I'm going, oh, man, I'm so mad. How would this guy do this, right? And then she said, but, Dad, then a little old lady from the middle of the bus got up, and, and she came up. She came up to the front of the bus, and she got on her hands and knees and started picking up the coins and giving them to me. You know what I remember from that story? Not, not the driver. I remember the lady who helped. It's amazing what we can overcome in prejudice and bias if we will pay attention and go the extra mile to love somebody. Another time, we were in Argentina. Christine and Diana were on a bicycle. Diana was only three. And they were riding down a road. And they had the motorcycles that have, they, they accelerate real fast. And she heard the motorcycle coming, so she... She moved over to avoid it, but the guy moved at the same time, and she, the guy in the motorcycle hit them at, at full speed, and they went flying across the road, and Christine was all beat up and bruised up, and Diana, who was strapped to the little car seat in the back, um, she was three, and she, she was really hurt, and our beautiful little daughter. And so it was a scary time for us. I had not gone to the hospital down the street and done all the paperwork, and I didn't realize that in Argentina, you can't just walk into a hospital, a private hospital, and they have to take care of you. So we went there. I, 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 she said, I, what I heard was from the phone, she got, there was a neighbor there, and she said, Charlie, we were in an accident, come get us. So I came and got the truck, and I threw him in the back, and I went to the hospital as fast as I could. And uh, the young man who had done that was so, he was very scared, nice guy. But it, was, it wasn't on purpose. So he was there, and he, he stayed with him the whole time. Helped him, did everything. He didn't run off like a hit and run. He did everything he could to stay with them. We went to the hospital, and we went down, and by law, just like, they, like we have here, they had to take an x-ray to make sure, because she, she had had a bad head, head injury. And they checked, and they said, well, we don't see anything serious, so, and you don't have any, in, you're not with us on our plan, so we can't keep you. I said, what do you mean you can't keep her? She's got a concussion. 
They said, well, we don't see it to be that serious. And so, she, man, she was crying constantly, crying. Her head was like this. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I'll pay whatever it takes. They said, well, you don't have insurance with us right now. I said, I've got an insurance card. They said, well, we can't take it. We have to run through the processing, and it's from the United States. Well, I'll give you a down payment. Well, it's $1,500 payment if you got it right now, but it was Friday night, and the banks were all closing. They don't, there's no ATM machines. I couldn't get money. I literally, they said, we can't help you. And they said, but I think she's going to be okay. So she was crying, so I put her in the truck, and I left. We started, we got a little bit down the road, and she started vomiting. And I knew that she had a serious concussion. So I turned around and went right back. I said, you got to help me on this. And they're like, well, and there's a big open area. And I said, I literally, in the whole area, and there was all the, the administrators, and everybody was there. And I said, somebody help me, in the best Spanish I could. And everybody just froze. I said, help me, my daughter is hurt. But it sounded with an accent. I didn't know what to do. And everybody stopped, and one, one of the nurses came to me and said, listen, I'm going to tell you something, and I really want you to believe me. The public hospital down the street here is right down here. It looks terrible. It's a big gym, and it doesn't look good, but the best doctors in our city are on call there because of the public system the doctors who get their education from the public system have to give back at least a day a week. And she said, the very best guy who's on call is there. Go there and see what happens. So we drove down there. I had Deanna. And sure enough, it's just, the place looked terrible. There was lions and there was gurneys outside in the hallways and it just looked terrible. We, we went in there, this area, and it was the public, you know, self, the social medical system, so it was really bad. So we went in and, and Deanna was sick. And, and, the, and so sure enough, the best, like, Guy in the doctor in the whole area happened to be on call at that moment. And they brought her in. Here's a little blonde headed girl with a blue dress. And they brought her in. He looked at, this, at the slides. He says, What is going on here? He said, I can see it. There's a, there's a crack all the way down the back of her skull. Who missed this? And he said, I want this and I want that. And man, and people started jumping like this. And so we got all the attention as fast as we possibly could. And he helped out in every way he could. And that young man who had hit our daughter by accident, and of course, Christine was all beat up. And there's another story to that. But that young man who stayed with us the whole way, and he, was, and he visited us in the hospital while she was there for the next days, did everything he could, and then he went and sold his motorcycle and bought a car. He said, it's just too dangerous. I'm not doing that. It scared him so bad. But I'm just telling you, I know things aren't perfect in a foreign land, and I know sometimes we feel frustrated in a foreign land, but there are people, and if we are those people who will stand up and help the, because there are people like that that make a difference in our lives. There may be the rejections and the prejudice and the systems we don't understand, right? Hay sistemas que no entendemos. But there are good people, and if we will stand up and be the people who God calls to be to help the stranger, we will make a difference physically and spiritually. We're also to include the stranger in our spiritual heritage. Let me read a little bit, and I'll be done here in just a minute. Ezekiel 47, 22, it shall be that you will be, you will divide by it by lots as an inheritance for yourselves and for the strangers who dwell among you and who bear children among you. They shall be to you as native born among the children of Israel. They shall have an inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. Remember, there's a spiritual connection with Israel. There is a spirituality here. We as Christians should never be inclusive of race, color, creed, all that stuff. That excludes a stranger. It's against God, our very God, that, that, that is our Father. We are to go out and rescue and help all people. You've been given here these, 
these cards, right, to ask people to visit. Well, you got some Spanish and English. You say, well, I don't know if anybody in English or Spanish, but you might. Keep some of them. Because this isn't just for people of one language or one color or creed. Because spiritual family includes everybody. There is no stranger. Spiritual family, we all brothers and sisters. The Old Testament and New Testament show that God accepts persons regardless of their background, their national origin. Leviticus 25, 35, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Deuteronomy 10, 17, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner. Listen, this is why in the kingdom of God, in the New Testament, New Jerusalem, Luke 13, 29, Jesus says, they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. Revelation 7, 9, we see a picture of heaven. And after these things I looked, and behold, great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes, peoples and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robe, with, plain, with palm branches in their hands. Who is included in the inheritance of God? Who is included in the family of God? Who is included in the church of God? Who are, include, are we including in the future of Warehouse Church? Because people don't just stumble through our doors. We have to go get them. We have to purpose in our heart that we will have ministries that will cross some barriers of communication, that will cross some barriers of ethnic distinctions. It's hard. It's messy sometimes. We don't understand other people all the time. This is God's call. The vision of what we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9, of every tribe and, and nation, that is the end result. We work for it. We include the stranger because God includes the stranger. Unfortunately, it's not normal for people to pick and choose. It is normal for people to pick and choose who, they, who is in their circle of friends. It is normal to be biased and prejudiced based on our preferences. That's normal. We have to be not normal. It's better for us to leave those, that human nature to one side and take on the nature of God. So let us exercise as a church Respect, justice, hospitality, and inclusion to those who are strangers in this land, as we once were. Let's pray.